Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520. Our guest today has been on our sister station with Tom Bowerly many times, a very bright man in law enforcement. His name is Frank J. Panasek, and he is the president of the 1791 Society PAC dedicated to preserving Second Amendment rights in New York State. Frank Panasek is a retired police detective and, as I mentioned, president of the 1791 Society. Uh, that They are headquartered in Buffalo, New York. He is also a qualified expert witness in firearms related in both criminal and civil courts and has been a longtime Second Amendment advocate. Frank Panasek has been actively engaged as a consultant in antique and collector firearms to private collectors and attorneys for five decades. Our guest today. Now, one thing that you talked about on our sister station with Tom Bowerly, I believe you had a relative uh, with uh, COVID, and it was a tragic situation where people with COVID were forced into the nursing homes. I know one man in Amherst, New York, whose father-in-law was in pretty good health, age 80 in a nursing home. They forced the uh, COVID-positive patients into the nursing home, and he was dead in two weeks. He considered this murder on the part of former Governor Andrew Cuomo. Could you please explain what was wrong with this uh, effort to put COVID-positive patients into nursing homes, causing between 12,000 to 15,000 deaths in New York State. Frank Panasek. Well, it makes no sense. It makes no sense to put people who are obviously positive and sick into a facility where no virus exists at the moment. We have seen this with the new governor, Hochul, just in the last few days. She has ordered prisoners from Rikers Island into other correctional facilities that are clean. And this is going to happen again. You know, if these people are infected, it makes no sense to bring them into a facility where the virus doesn't exist. Uh, these are political decisions. There's a lot of political posturing here. And it's just, it's not good for the health of the people. And in this situation with the with the prisons, 
you know, the, these corrections officers are exposed to these inmates. They are bringing this home to their families, their, their, their wives, their husbands, their kids, and it's getting out into the general community. So while they're doing mask theater and, and going through this whole masking situation, they're instituting policies that are spreading this virus like wildfire. It's, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and the other thing, and maybe you can comment on this, you can't go to Canada unless you have a COVID test and the vaccination card. But one million people have come in through the southern border. I haven't heard of any requirements for them to have COVID testing before they come here and vaccination cards. How do you get through this hypocrisy here? Well, you know, it's it's typical of this administration. You know, we've been we've been seeing this for a long time with. Uh, with these uh, liberals, these uh, socialist Democrat liberals, whatever uh, whatever fits the narrative to import voters, you know, if they can't get elected with the people that are here and they need more votes, they'll bring them in. And and we know that we know it's all about voting. I mean, they're refusing these these voter IDs. Uh, you need an ID for everything. Uh, you you need an ID to go buy a spray can of paint in some stores because they're afraid you're going to inhale it or spray a wall or something. But you can go vote without an ID. It's ludicrous, but it's it's entirely political. None of these things are done by accident. They're all done with a purpose, and they're all done deliberately. Nothing occurs by accident. Everything that exists is because someone in authority wants it that way. Let's talk a little bit about uh, gun problems. And we just uh, saw, I think it was in Tennessee before this taping, a man went into a Kroger's, killed a couple people, shot about 13 people. Isn't this almost always a mental health issue? And couldn't these people, if they didn't use a gun, they'd use something else. They'd use an explosive or ram people down with a car or a knife or an axe. Uh, isn't this more of a mental health issue and having little to do with guns? Absolutely, because the vast, vast majority of gun owners are law-abiding. We've been seeing these mental health issues for years. They are definitely on the upswing because of the dismantling of, of the mental health treatment. Uh, you know, we, we close mental institutions. We deny people care and treatment. Uh, you know, anybody that's experienced it in their family, if they're having problems with someone and they, they go to try to get these people treatment, they run up against a stone wall. Well, he hasn't done anything yet. Uh, we really can't do anything. You know, he's, he, he may be acting, a, you know, a, a, a little out of line and that, but he hasn't, he hasn't really harmed anybody yet. How many times have we heard that? You know, when you do get one of these shooters and they go back and look at the behavior, uh, all the signs are there. But the situation that's in place, they won't do anything about it until after the fact. After a number of people are shot or stabbed or somebody throws gasoline into a crowded room. So we have to we have to change our, the way we're treating these mentally ill people. These uh, background checks, these instant background checks, a lot of that is just 
a great theater feel good type of thing. Uh, somebody who is determined to harm someone will harm someone. They will find a way to do it. Uh, in England, they have virtually banned firearms. Uh, they are strictly and highly controlled. They are uh, they are so controlled in England that the the British. Uh, Olympic pistol team has to go to France to practice because they they cannot possess the handgun in England. So what's happened is they've got an underground situation, a black market of manufactured firearms, home home manufactured firearms. And they have a huge knife problem because people that want to kill somebody will find a way to do it. So, you know, we hear this term gun violence all the time. It's another liberal anti-Second Amendment buzzword that they came up with. Guns are inanimate objects. They're made out of wood and plastic and steel. They are not capable of violence. A gun can sit in a safe or in a drawer or cabinet for decades, and it doesn't do a thing until somebody picks it up and uses it. It's the person that is acting violent, not the firearm. Well, about the uh, restrictions, these tough restrictions in England, has crime rate gone down in any way with these tough restrictions, or are people just committing more violent crimes, as you said, with knives, or axes or swords, whatever. But has there been any reduction? No, no, there hasn't been any reduction at all. They have huge problems there. And, you know, all their all their gun banning and so forth, it hasn't done anything to the people who want firearms. What, you know, what a lot of these politicians fail to realize is all firearms are made by man. They're not, they don't occur naturally. They don't grow on trees. They're manufactured in machine shops and manufacturing facilities. And in an open society like we have, you cannot stop somebody from manufacturing a firearm. Anytime, anytime you prohibit anything, you create a black market for it. Uh, you know, they banned drugs years ago. We were, were very tightly controlled on narcotics. Do you see any lack of narcotics anywhere? It's everywhere. Anybody that wants it can get it. You know, if they they could they could ban all guns tomorrow and say we're confiscating them. They're not going to magically disappear. It's not going to happen. We're learning a great deal from a gentleman who is a big Second Amendment advocate, Frank Panasek, and he is the president of the 1791 Society PAC dedicated to preserving Second Amendment rights in the state of New York. And this show on the BET 1520 reaches 17 states and much of Canada. Please drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, the BET 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. As this station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia, and New Zealand. A little uh, plug here, Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. 
Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454. They have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. A little bit more information about Frank Panasek. He was one of the founding members of the 1791 Society, which was organized to oppose the attacks on the Second Amendment rights of the people of New York State by now disgraced former Governor Andrew Cuomo and the midnight secret passage of his so-called SAFE Act. Our guest, Frank Panasek, I'd like to thank those who have called regarding our recent guest, Mike Sheehan, with the Challenger Learning Center, popular Erie County Sheriff Tim Howard, and Carlos Diaz with Florida International University. Coming up, we're going to have civic leader Lenny Lane and former New York State Republican Chair Ed Cox on the Rusk Report on the bet 1520. Uh, let's uh, uh, talk a little bit about the new Lieutenant Governor of New York, Brian Benjamin, who's an advocate for defunding the police. I mean, I mean, can you make this stuff up, that we actually have a Lieutenant Governor who wants to take away funding for police? Frank Panasek. Yeah, well, having lived having lived the uh, career on the police department, I can tell you that defunding the police is an absolute disaster in the making. Uh, people need protection when they when they dial nine one one and they need a police car there. Seconds. 30, 40, 60 seconds seems like an hour to them. When you don't have the cars, you don't have the officers to dispatch, you have a disaster in the making. The police can only be reactive most of the time. Uh, they definitely do pre preventive patrols. Of course, when, when you're on patrol and one thing happens, you're always at the opposite end of your district. It, it's just the way things are. But trying to defund the police department to institute more social welfare programs, more giveaways, more nonsense, it's ridiculous. These people that are committing these crimes need to be arrested and incarcerated. And that's how you get the criminals off the streets. It's it's a tried and true situation that we've done for decades since the formation of this country. And even in Europe, it makes no sense to let these people run free after they've exhibited criminal intent to harm others. And, you know, these, these programs of defund the police, you know, I mean, where does it stop? You know, when, when you pick up, the, there have been situations in Chicago, people pick up the phone to call a police car. They don't have one to send. So, you know, we, we have the same situation in Buffalo here. We have a mayoral candidate who wants to take $7 million away from the Buffalo Police Department. It, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy. It really is. Well, that's exactly what I was going to go into about India Walton. She wants to take away seven and a half million dollars in police funding i think she wants to have psychologists social workers and psychiatrists go to a crime scene i mean we're talking about 100 police being laid off many of them women 
and uh, people of color in the police department. I mean, what are you going to gain by that? And how is a social worker going to uh, deal with a person with a gun or an automatic rifle? I mean, could you explain this to me, Frank Panasek? Well, the politically correct nonsense and the reality of the situation are two polar opposites. These people that are coming up with these ideas have never faced someone holding a gun or a knife who has totally lost their, their mental faculties and, and, and all ability to reason and are intent on harming somebody. And they can come up with all these ideas that sound, you know, real rosy on paper and say, oh, we're going to get them some counseling. Well, they haven't had to deal with somebody that is acting out so badly that it takes four or five officers to restrain them. And they come up with this nonsense because, you know, it, it's a political uh, football where they, you know, want to, want to make it look like, oh, we're helping them. Well, okay, we can help them, but first we have to get them under control and disarm them. And you just can't do a send a social worker for this kind of stuff. You have to have police officers. For those who just tuned in to the Rusk Report, we're speaking with Frank Panasek. He's an antique and collector firearms consultant in Hamburg, New York, and he's the president of the 1791 Society PAC dedicated to preserving Second Amendment rights in New York State. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, Washington, or Montreal, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk. The bet, 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always read cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. Frank J. Panasic was one of the founding members of the 1791 Society, which was organized to oppose the attacks on the Second Amendment rights of the people of New York State by now the disgraced former Governor Andrew Cuomo in the midnight secret passage of his so-called SAFE Act. Our guest today, Frank Panasek, uh, who's been on our sister radio station with Tom Bowerly many times. Let's talk about early parole. I mean, this is another thing where you're letting hardened criminals out of jail, and often they commit the same or similar crimes as soon as they get out. Let's talk about the evils of early parole, Frank Panasek. Well, these these people were convicted of crimes. You know, they were sentenced to incarceration and interfering with the sentence. It doesn't do any good. Uh, they're going to come back out on the street. They make additional contacts in prison. It, it doesn't really change them. Um, a lot of this rehabilitation, so-called rehabilitation. We had a saying on the police department, you can't rehabilitate someone who wasn't habilitated in the first place. So this early parole, again, it's a political football. That's, that is all it really is. Now, even probably worse is the cashless bail situation. Sheriff Howard spoke before three Rotary Clubs a couple months ago in Amherst. And he told about one person that they arrested in seven weeks seven times. And this criminal kept getting these appearance tickets. So he'd go out, he'd mug someone, then he'd rob a 7-Eleven, 
then he'd injure someone else, and then he'd have traffic infractions. And finally, on the eighth arrest, the sheriff said in eight weeks, they finally put him in jail. Isn't this a stupid program, cashless bail? Yes, it certainly is. In many cases, we have had uh, been able to defuse situations by holding the individual on bail rather than letting them walk free and letting them out, you know, when they could have been held on bail, prevented them from committing another crime. Many times these people are having uh, personal problems and situations, and, you know, when when they're in the county jail and they're cooling their heels a little bit, they're not doing something else. So arresting them when they're, when they're in a situation where they're starting to act out is actually doing them and the public a favor until they can get some treatment or get straightened out or get on their medication. But just letting them out on appearance tickets on these crimes, again, political expedient. You know, the the, the, the legislators who passed this, can go to their voters and say, look what I did. When you get arrested, you don't have to post bail anymore. But the general public suffers. Let's talk about another uh, situation, and that's the uh, death of people in the jails. And if somebody's on heroin and going through withdrawal and they commit suicide, how is law enforcement supposed to deal with these people who are high on drugs, the law enforcement people did not sell them nor give them the drugs. So how can we hold accountable law enforcement institutions when someone's going through withdrawal on heroin? Could you explain this to us, Frank Panasek? Well, exactly. We've said this for years. You know, in many cases, the people that are in the, sent to the holding centers, you know, they have abused themselves with drugs and alcohol for years. They haven't availed themselves of proper medical treatment. Uh, They have heart issues. They have lung issues. Uh, They have blood pressure issues. So they get arrested on a charge, and they they come into uh, a correctional holding facility. Now, you know, the sheriff cannot snap his fingers and correct 25 or 30 years of behavior of this individual. You know that he that he's engaged in to harm himself and not maintain his health or anything. A lot of these people are there because they were using drugs. I, I often said, you know, these reporters who are constantly hammering on this should do a week in a county jail on all the shifts and see what is coming in there and the condition that these people are in. You know, they these these correctional officers do their best to make sure that they're they're taken care of, but you cannot you cannot uh, you know institute a magical situation where you can correct you know their physical problems that they themselves have caused, and that that has been the cause of a lot of these deaths. Let's talk about a, a high-profile case throughout the United States, and that's the unfortunate uh, death of Gabby Petito, a 22-year-old girl who went with her 23-year-old boyfriend out west on a cross-country trip. She's dead now. They're searching for 
this boyfriend. Uh, how common is this type of uh, violence and killing of uh, boyfriends and girlfriends uh, throughout the country? Well, the violence and killing luckily isn't isn't as bad, you know, as it could be. Uh, we saw a lot of domestic arguments, boyfriend, girlfriend things, and so forth. Uh, this is a high-profile case. The news media latched onto it. You have a, a pretty young girl who uh, went missing. It, it was a great story. But there's a lot of these stories that we never hear about. So, you know, toxic situations like, like she was obviously in, a lot of times they just can't get away from these guys. Yeah, horrible tragedy. Um, Rikers Island, I understand they've had uh, problems with um, rioting and now uh, early uh, parole release. I mean, aren't we going to see more of a hike in crime in the greater New York City area, letting these hardened criminals out on the street? Oh, absolutely. New York City is a disaster area. We're hearing about it every day. We're hearing about attacks on the subways, attacks in Times Square. You know, they're they're not doing anything to take these people off the street. You you cannot let them out. There there are too many people with with mental problems, with with criminal attitudes, and they want to open the gates and let them out. We are going to suffer the consequences. Uh, one last uh, question here about these uh, tougher COVID rules in employment. Um, we see a lot of people who are quitting their jobs. Can't we have a balance with perhaps people wearing masks, distancing, and let people stay on the jobs? Uh, we've seen this with so many thousands of restaurant and cocktail lounge layoffs in the last year and a half. Now we see it in healthcare with uh, 10% of the people quitting their jobs with these tough rules. Can't you have a balance, Frank Panasek? Well, it's interesting. I, I spoke to a nurse the other day, and she said that during the height of the COVID in uh, March, April of 20, they were heroes. They worked 18 hours a day. They, In some cases, they were using the same mask for four or five days because they couldn't get any more. And now they're being told they can be easily replaced. There's not much gratitude there for what these people have done. So, and I, I even had a nurse tell me that she, she was young and she was healthy and that and she was working daily with the COVID patients. And she actually felt that she wanted to acquire it and get it over with to get the immunity for it. And she was working with these patients very closely, and she she never acquired the COVID virus. So there is certainly a, a lot of what we like to refer to as mask theater going on. Yeah, I'm sorry we have to bring the Rusk report to a close. This is a common sense leader in law enforcement, Frank Panasek, president of the 1791 Society PAC dedicated to preserving Second Amendment rights in New York State, often a guest on our sister station with Tom Bowerly. 
Thank you for educating us so much, both about COVID and firearms. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production, for the past 15 years. Thank you for enlightening us. Frank Panasek, have a great week. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.